Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Glad that I'm saved. And all that entails. I'd rather be saved than anything. Amen. Here's the truth. In this world, there is no one thing that can satisfy you. Every one thing that you think, man, if I could just get that, I'd finally have everything I need. If I could just get this amount of money, right? If I could just get that one person to marry me, if I could just have that child, if I could just have that job, If I could just have that new car, or that nice house, or whatever that thing is, if I could just have that one thing, I could finally be complete. There's a lot of people in this world who believe that. They have a goal, and their goal is this, and they think, man, if I could just just finally get that, that thing right there, then I could finally be at peace. But what they would find is, once they got that, It just opens a pathway to another thing that they really wish they had. Amen. Well, they they thought they'd be happy with that job, but then they found out that job isn't everything they thought it would be. Right? It's more stress than they thought it would be. They thought if they'd get that amount of money, then they'd have everything they need, but then they had that kind of money, and they realized all the troubles that come along with that kind of money, like the IRS. Hallelujah. They think, if I could just have that house, and then they get that house, and they find out, man, you got to work on it. It's going to cost me for the rest of my life. And there's all these little caveats, these little problems. But being saved is the only thing that brings a sort of satisfaction like literally nothing else can. It is the satisfaction of not only knowing that you have escaped hell, it's the satisfaction of not only knowing that heaven is your home, but that you now have the presence of the Holy Spirit empowering you to walk with God that He is the friend that sticketh closer than any brother. Amen. He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of peace. He is your God. Amen. There's a huge difference between Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jacob. When his life changed, there's a huge difference in what God meant to him when he became his God. The same is true for me growing up in a, in a pastor's home and being in church all my young life and hearing preaching and all that stuff. I remember being in service and thinking, man, you know, this is great and that's great. But when I got saved, something changed. I had something that I did not have before. The Holy Spirit. Amen. When when the Spirit would pass by in the singing or in the preaching and I would see people with tears running down their eyes, I no longer thought, what's up with that? But suddenly I began to feel those same tears rise to my eyes. I began to lift a hand toward heaven and feel the joy of the Lord because there's nothing better than being saved. Nothing. Nothing. Young people, nothing out there will ever do for you what a walk with God will do for you. 
Nothing out there will ever give you joy or peace or happiness like walking with God. Amen. That's a fact. I'm glad I'm saved this morning. If you're here and you're not sure that you're saved, I just I cannot imagine what you're waiting for. What is it that you're waiting for? What is it that you need to hear? What, what, what more do you need to see before you can buy into this understanding? There's nothing better than God. There's nothing better than Jesus. If you're here this morning and you have never been saved, please don't leave without coming to know the Lord. It's not worth it. This world is full of people who are unhappy, who are dissatisfied, who are lost, not just in the spiritual sense of needing a Savior, but lost wandering around this world not knowing which way is up, which way is down, which way is left, which way is right. I mean, people are confused, and they're turning here for help, they're turning there for help, and they're just not finding it. Do you know why that is? Because there's only one thing that gives satisfaction, and that is God. We were made for Him. Amen. We were made for Him. We'll never be whole until we have Him. Amen. I hope this morning that you know that you're saved. Proverbs chapter 2. Last week we began looking here through this chapter, and we'll continue this morning in Proverbs chapter 2. We will read quickly verses 1 through 11 and go down through. And uh, I'll give you what the Lord has laid on my heart. I hope that you've come this morning, if if you're saved, I hope that you have the joy of the Lord. Amen? Uh, If you're here this morning and you're saved, and you say, well, Brother Paul, I don't really feel that joy of the Lord. Well, you know that you can ask the Lord to restore to you the joy of your salvation. And did you know that the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength? Which means the reason if you're here this morning and you just feel weak as a Christian, the good good chance is the reason you're feeling weak is because you've lost your joy. Amen. What I'm going to deal with this morning, these, the things concerning discretion. We talked about being preserved by discretion. We're looking at these paths of the world, the way, uh, we looked last week, the way of the evil man in verses 12. We'll look at that. Uh, we'll, we'll just remind you quickly of that, how that there is a way of the evil man, and that's the way of the world. And so many Christians even are being lured down that path by the wiles of the devil and the temptations of the world. Do you know what the way of the evil man will take away from a Christian first? Their joy. The first thing that goes when a Christian begins to walk down the path of the evil man is their joy. They have no joy. They have no uplifted spirit at the name of Jesus. They have no tears rolling down their eyes at at the songs of Zion and the Word of God. They've lost it. They've lost it. Why? Well, because they've gone down the wrong way. They've allowed paths of the, uh, the ways of the evil man to dumb down and to deafen the voice of God in their life to the point that they can no longer feel that uplifting spirit and that, that, that uh, um, uh, fountain of life springing up inside of us. It's still there. Sometimes we deafen the joy of the Lord in our lives. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 1, as a father speaking to his son, he says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. We understand that knowledge and understanding from God are necessary to have the wisdom of God. 
uh, in verse number 6, The Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. How do we understand every good path? By gaining the knowledge and understanding and wisdom of the Lord. That is how we understand righteousness and judgment and equity. We are seeing so many modern Christians look for a path that leads to evil lifestyles and calling it righteousness. Amen. They want to live the way they want to live without consequences. And they say, well, God doesn't care. But the problem with that is this. If we have the knowledge of God, we have the understanding of God, it comes from, this said, the mouth of God, which means it comes from the Word of God. Our knowledge, our understanding about righteousness, about judgment, about equity, about what is every good path must come from the Word of God. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. He said, when wisdom entereth into thy heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. That's an interesting statement. Here's what this father is saying to his son. When you get to the place where wisdom is coming into your heart and knowledge is pleasing to you. Amen. Knowledge, that is what we learn, right? Knowledge. When we come to church, the preacher stands, hopefully he is opening God's Word, and as even when preaching, he is teaching you something from God's Word. For this, for this reason, that you would know more about God and know more about God's Word. Amen. If you're going to church week by week, but you're not learning anything about God, something's wrong. Amen. Either your ears are shut to the truth, or someone's not standing up and speaking and preaching the Word of God. Amen. Knowledge is coming from God's Word, but here's the kicker. Here's the key to discretion. Here's the key to being preserved, as we've been talking about. You reach the place where not only wisdom is coming into your heart, but knowledge is pleasing to you. Now, I will be the first to admit, sometimes when I learn something about the Word of God, it's not pleasing. Not in the physical sense. I don't think, man, God, I sure am glad you raked me over the coals this morning. Now, here's the truth, though. I may not take that whooping with a smile, but I will thank God for it. Because as much as I think, man, that, that hurt, that was tough, that was difficult, I think, God, thank you for teaching me that. Thank you for showing me that. And it is pleasing to my soul. Think of something that's pleasing to your soul. Some things are pleasing to our bodies. Some things are pleasing to our minds. Amen. A, a good, perfectly cooked steak is pleasing to the body. Hallelujah. But when some things are pleasing to the soul, that's a, that's a deeper thing. A while back I was talking to Brother Sean Sharp. He was telling me how he likes to take a, uh, an annual hunt uh, out of state, you know, sort of big hunt, big game hunt. I think he went and he, he shot an elk last year and brought one back finally. Uh, he brought me some of it. He came to the house one day and I cooked him a steak. He said, I'll bring it if you'll cook it. I said, you bring it, I'll cook it, and I'll eat it. And it was delicious. Next time I'll, I'll, I'll tell him to bring one to the whole church. I mean, that's an elk, right? There's plenty of meat, right? 
But the truth is, he was telling me that we're talking one day, and he said, my dream is to take a hunt to Alaska and hunt moose. He told me what year he was going to do it. He's like, I've got it planned. He said, but unlike these other hunts, I'll have to go by myself. He's like, well, they'll bring us in with a helicopter where I'm going, and they'll drop me in. I'll be by myself. And if I do kill a moose, I'll have to cut it up in pieces and take it out. And the place where he's going is like one of the highest per capita population of grizzly bears in, in the country. And he's, he's already told me stories about encountering grizzly bears while hunting elk in the mountains and stuff. And I'm like, one glimpse of a grizzly, and I'm on the first copter out of there. He's like, well, I, you can smell it. He said, what's that smell? I asked his buddy. He said, what does that smell? He said, I don't know. I think that might be a grizzly. And then they saw one way down a mountain. And I said, that would have been my last day in wherever that was. You don't mess around with grizzly bears. I said, that's crazy. He said, man, it's colder than anywhere up there. I'll be by myself. I got I to gotta find it. Then I got to kill it. Then I got to cut it up. And I got to get it all out. He said, I'm literally, he was doing all this physical training years ahead just to be able to prepare himself for that. I said, that sounds like misery to me. You know, I like rabbit hunting. You know why? Because you wander around with a shotgun. One jumps out and you shoot it. Hallelujah. And you take it back. I'm not a deer hunter because I don't like sitting in a stand for 10 hours. I know a lot of guys love that. But he said, well, what this is, I can't remember what, he, I think he called it type B or type 2 fun. Anybody ever heard of that? He said, you're making this up. He said, what it is, is it's the kind of fun that when you're doing it, it's not fun. But then later you think, I'm glad I did that. I said, that's not fun. You're using the wrong word. You know, maybe it's type 2 appreciation. I don't appreciate it now, but I appreciate it later. But he said, no, 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 it's, that's, that's the type of fun. You know, it's like that, that suffering now, and then later you think, man, wasn't that great, this exhilarating thing. And I'm thinking, no, pass. I'll just eat a steak. You know, I'll just go, you know, wherever. You know, if you kill a moose, bring me some, and I'll try it or whatever. I'll take a look at it. But I'm not going to go spend two weeks in Alaska and probably die. You know, that's not what I'm going to do. That's not my type of any type of fun. But when something is pleasing to your soul, it's not always pleasing to your body. It's not always pleasing to your mind. It's not always pleasing right now, but it has a depth. It's kind of like that type 2 or type B, whatever kind of fun. It's that sort of thing that, Lord, right now, this is tough. Later, my soul is going to be pleased that I had to take this, that I had to receive this wisdom, that I had to receive this knowledge, that right now it feels like I'm getting a, a good raking. I'm getting my toes stepped on, right? But later, I'm going to look back, I'm going to say, God, thank you for that. My parents were tough on me sometimes. Can I admit to you, in the moment, it wasn't so fun. But now I look back and I'm thankful. Lord, I'm glad that I had parents who cared enough about me to give me the knowledge I needed that is now pleasing to my soul, right? It's the sort of knowledge that sticks with you. It's the sort of knowledge that affects you. And we've been looking at this now, how that discernment, it says there, we, we learned about discernment last week, how it was uh, what to do. We learned what to do discerning when something is good or evil in, in Hebrews chapter 5. But that word discretion in verse 11 tells us discretion shall preserve thee. That means it'll keep you. Pre discretion will keep you. It'll keep you to some things, and it'll keep you from some things. Discretion, if discernment is knowing by the grace of God what to do, discretion is knowing by the grace of God when you can do it and what you can do. It is an understanding of, uh, it is a momentary understanding of how to apply the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom, and the discernment that God has given you. Discretion comes in a moment. Well, right now ain't the time. Right here ain't the place. Right here is the time. Right here is the place. 
That is not the thing to do. That is not the thing to say. That is the thing to do. That is the thing to say. This is discretion. Discretion preserves us by protections. What we looked at last week there in verse 12 said, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. We learn his ways of speech in verse 12, how that he speaks froward, which is backward, upside down, perverse things. Does that sound familiar? That's the message of the world today. Everything is upside down. Amen. Right is wrong and wrong is right. We saw the ways of his speech, the ways of straying, how it said they leave the paths of uprightness in verse 13 to walk in the ways of darkness. Verse 14 and 15, we saw his ways of sinfulness. They rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked. They are, it says, whose ways are crooked, they're froward in their paths. In other words, while those people of God who love the Lord, who love understanding, who love wisdom, and who gain those things from God, they are receiving the pleasing of knowledge to their soul. They're preserved by discretion, whereas the wicked are delighting in sin. They love it. They love how wrong it is. They rejoice in how evil their way is. They mock God. They mock the truth of the Word of God. And they are just, they're just gloating in their ungodliness. Amen. That's the way of the evil man. This morning in verse number 16, we'll pick up. I want to talk about the path of the strange woman. Now, y'all, any of you all who are Bible students and you've read through the book of Proverbs more than once, or maybe even just once, if you've read it once, you know that this this example of the strange woman is present in many places throughout the book of Proverbs. And again, as a father speaking to his son in verse number 16, verse number 12 told us that discretion will preserve us to deliver thee from the way of the evil man. Verse number 16 says it will preserve us to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words. We are speaking now how that, pre- that discretion preserves us by protection from the path of the strange woman. It says there that with her powers of flattery, we see that she is trying to gather people to her path. It says very plainly, even from the stranger, which flattereth with her words. Flattery is like a compliment, but it's laced with lies. That's what flattery is. Flattery is something that is said as a compliment, as a positive, meant to lure someone into something they want from them. Right? Right? Husband wants to take a fishing trip, and he'll go to his wife in the morning, Honey, you just look radiant this morning. Does she? Maybe. Or maybe she just rolled out of bed, and her hair is sticking out in every direction, and maybe she's beautiful, but I wouldn't necessarily say radiant's the right word. Right? So why is he saying that? Because he wants to go on that fishing trip. Can I wash the, you know, um, you get up and husband's washing dishes. He's fixed breakfast. He's done got the kids ready for school. What's going on? Well, he needs something, right? That's flattery. It's not that there's no truth to it, but that it is, it is exacerbated and, and it is elevated. It, it's hyperbole for the purpose of getting something that you want, right? The strange woman this, this figure that's given here is speaking flattering words to try and woo you away from the right path to an evil path. Amen. I think sometimes we miss this. The strange woman in this chapter is not a spirit. 
It's a person. Now, the Bible says we, we don't war against flesh and blood, right? So they are not our enemy whom we need to destroy. But they are being used by the enemy to destroy us. Will you agree that there are some people, physical people, in this world who desire to lure Christians away from the path of God? There are people who the devil may very intentionally or the evil spirits push into your path or try and lure you into their path for the very purpose of them beginning to flatter you with their words. Anybody ever tried to flatter you with their words? Drawn towards some evil, destructive thing. Flattery. That's what it's for. Discretion, however, is there to preserve us. It is there to protect us. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 21 says this, With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. I think the, the example given there is pretty clear. You have there the lure of the flattering words of, in this case, the strange woman. And yes, as a father speaking to his son, he is speaking of the allure of a wicked woman. Yes, he is. But I think we can expand that even to say anyone who tries to, with flattering words, draw you toward a path that is sin needs to understand this. The path of sin ends in destruction. Now, I will say very specifically, any man, any woman that will allow their eyes or their ears to stray toward some man or some woman who is not their spouse to lure them with flattering words or batting eyelashes is headed toward a path of destruction like a bird going toward the snare. Young people, there are all kinds of teenagers who would love to destroy you. Amen. So, well, that's not really what they want. Well, maybe that's not their goal. But I'll tell you whose goal it is. The devil's. It's the goal of sin. To lure young men and young women into a path that ends in destruction. Amen. That's just simply the way that it is. Discretion says this. Uh, I hear what they're saying. Don't listen to that. That's what discretion says. Discretion teaches to shut our ears to the words of her flattery and rather to magnify God and not man. Amen. Amen. We need to understand that her powers of flattery are there for the purpose to lure you like a bird into a snare so that you won't see the dark coming until it's already got you. How many marriages have been destroyed like that? How many homes torn apart like that? How many young people taken from their homes, taken from their parents, taken out of the church in their lives, gone down a wicked path? Why? Because of the flattery of a strange woman. Amen. Her powers of flattery. Then we see her powers of forgetfulness in verse 17. It says this, which forsake the God of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Now due to the fact that the strange woman is often referring to an adulteress in the book of Proverbs, a lot of commentators want to take this verse and say the God of her youth is her husband. But I'll tell you this, I don't believe it's exclusively that. I believe it is this. It is someone who will forsake 
and for purposefully and intentionally shut off the guidance that they received in their youth to go down a path of evil. You ever seen that happen? Someone who forsakes all the teaching of their youth. They forget, they do their best to close off in their mind and in their heart the things they learn to, to forget. It's her power of forgetfulness. And she says, well, I used to go that way, but now look where I am. Look how much fun I'm having. Look how, you know, you know someone who fell victim to the power of flattery and forgetfulness? The prodigal son. He thought, I'll go over there and look how much fun they're having. Those in riotous living, right? Look at that. Look how much. Say, well, you know, you said it ends in death. Well, for him, didn't he make it back? He sure did. But you'll never count how much he lost. Everything that God had built up for him from his birth and his inheritance right there, his father had waiting for him, gone. Why? Because of the strange woman and the evil man who allured him into a place where sin... Amen. Can I tell you something? The people you are around matters. The people you are listening to, it matters. Now, we often preach and teach that to young people. Amen. I guarantee Brother Dennis is often telling the young people up there on Wednesday nights, be careful who your friends are. You know why? His brother Dennis was a teenager once. Amen. Actually, for a few years, I reckon. And so was I. To me, it feels like it was just yesterday, even though I'm getting older and older all the time. When I realized the other day I've been out of high school for almost 20 years, I stutter-stepped a little bit. You know what I mean? But I remember what it was like. Brother Tim, do you remember what it was like? Remember that, those feelings? I remember how intensely I felt things. Anybody else remember that? First time you get a girlfriend. I mean, the first time you, you experience some of those, those young teenage feelings, those, those emotions stirring up in your heart, and you think, man, this is, this is what life is all about, right? Guess what? It's not. That's not what life is all about. Anybody ever do anything stupid when you were a teenager? If anybody in here was ever a teenager and didn't raise your hand, you just lied in church. Hallelujah. Every teenager I've ever met has done at least one stupid thing. At least one, right? We can all agree, one, anyway. I think that's a little conservative, don't you? Very conservative. I'd hate for you to know all the stupid things I did or said. I'll tell you this, we often preach and teach that to young people, don't we? Be careful who you're listening to, right? Be careful who you're going around. Well, they say they go to church. Hmm, that can get you in some trouble. Let me help you with something, young people. It is important to know whoever you're going to hang around with, and, and, and we'll use that word yoke up with. Y'all know what a yoke is? You know what a yoke is? Like two oxen, they got that strap goes on their neck, that, that thing, that rigid thing holds them together. Whoever you're going to yoke up with, okay? Whoever you're going to yoke up with, is it important to know they go to church? Yeah, sure it is. The Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But it don't just say that. It begins to talk about all kinds of other things. Basically this, anybody who does not just go to church, but is saved, loves the Lord, and does not live a life of wickedness. I know a lot of people in school who went to church. And my parents would say, well, you know, do they go to church? Yeah, had they been saved? Oh, yeah, I asked them. They said they'd been saved. But guess what? They were not Christians. Christians by name only, and not one bit by walk. Y'all ever, ever know anyone like that? Oh, yeah, I go to church. You know, once a month or twice a year on Easter and Christmas. I'm pretty sure I'm on the member roll. But they have no presence of God in their life. That is the sort of person that is leading you toward a path of destruction. 
Because what they, they may or may not know this, they're on a path of destruction. And for you to follow them is to follow them into the same destruction that they are headed toward. And we often preach that and, and point to it with young people, right? That the guide of her youth, it said, the guide of her youth, she forsook those who in her youth tried to show her, don't go that way. You know what she said? I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. Amen. I'm not going to let anybody control me. Amen. And I'm going to forsake those things, and I'm going to do my very best to forget even the covenant of her God. You know what that said? It implies to me that there was a time when she was in the way of God, and she forsook it. Now, what she say? Well, this is Old Testament, so salvation isn't exactly the same thing there as it is now. But I'll tell you this, she forsook the way of her God. And any young person who decides, I'm going to forsake everything that's been taught to me that's good by the preacher, my parents, the Sunday school teacher, whoever, the youth pastor, I'm going to go my own way and then try their best to forget it. They are headed toward a path that only ever ends in destruction. The, her paths, not only her powers of flattering, her powers of forgetfulness, but in verse 18 and 19, we see that her paths are final. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. I think that is a very, uh, a very good and apt um, adjective. I guess. I'm not exactly sure what the right phrase would be there. In verse number 18 where it says this, it's not an adjective. I guess in this case it would be an action. It says that her path, her house inclineth unto death. Y'all know what an incline is. It's like a hill. You ever try to run down a hill? Right? You ever gone down a slide? Here's the problem with a sharp incline. It's hard to stop. Well, I'm not going to go all the way down to her house in death. I know what I'm doing. I can handle this. I can handle it. Those texts, I can handle those texts. Those conversations at work or at school, I can handle those things. That, that sin in my life, I know it, it's taken some people way too far but I can handle it. Y'all have heard the old saying, haven't you? What sin will do to you? Take you farther than you want to go? Keep you longer than you want to stay? Cost you more than you wanted to pay? Right? Say, so, well, that's cliche, isn't it? Sure it is. You know why it's cliche? Because it's true. That's how things become cliche. They're said so much. They're so true. They're said so much, people begin to, it just begins to lose its effectiveness in our ears. But here's what the Bible said about her path. The path of the strange woman inclines to what? It inclineth unto death. Hmm. Death. I've seen some people step out on her path. And it ended with physical death. I've seen people step out on that path and it lead to the death of every good thing in their life. Amen. Amen. Every, I, I won't say every, I'd say the vast majority, and I mean 
overwhelming majority of alcoholics, of drug addicts, of people who have gone into prostitution and thrown their lives away, right? Did it because someone led them to it. How'd you get your first drink? Someone offered me a drink. How'd you do your first drug? Someone offered it to me, right? Well, I won't go as far as they went. That path is on an incline. And it's not a little incline. It might start off a little. At the beginning, maybe you got just, and the Lord has given you some grace there and trying to hold you back, but pretty soon, the further you go, the sharper that incline's going to get until it's just about a steep drop-off. And before you know it, you're basically in a free fall. And you are rolling down, and you can see at the bottom of this great hill, this great incline, one thing, and it's death. It's destruction. It's death. What is? Sin. For the wages of sin is death. That's what it is. You think you're just strolling, but you're not. You're picking up speed. All the time, you're picking up speed. And that thing you're headed toward is the very thing that might take your life. I'm a little reticent to say this, but the reason, the reason that my best friend, my best childhood friend is dead right now is because he stepped out on the path of sin. I love him. I still love him. And I know he was saved and he's in heaven. But he took some wrong steps, and those wrong steps put him out around the wrong people, and those wrong people resulted in his death. It's an undeniable truth. I wish it wasn't. Wish I could have got him before he hit that too sharp of an incline. But I couldn't. But you're here. You're right here. And I don't know how sharp the incline is that anyone in this building is on right now. But I know what waits at the bottom, and it's death. It's death. It's death. It's not always physical death. Sometimes it's the death of your lifestyle. You lose your family. You get to a place where there's, there's no rescuing your marriage. There's no rescuing your home. Amen. There's no rescuing your relationship with your family. There's no rescuing your relationship with your mom or your dad. There's no rescuing your, your relationship with a church or, or fixing this in your life. And sometimes you find yourself at the bottom and you look around and you, all you see are just casualties. Why? Because her way, it inclines, her house, it inclines to death. And at the bottom is something you don't want. Are you all hearing me this morning? All right, now you think, look how good of a time I'm having. Pretty soon you're going to start to feel yourself losing control. That's what happens when you take off running down a hill. You lose control. Amen. You can't stop. To stop is to fall. And to fall is to roll. You're going to lose control very soon. You know why? That's why he said, don't go near her house. You know, that's why he said, avoid her path. Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, flee also youthful lusts. You know what that word flee means? Run. Run away. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all, if you were walking through a field and you looked down and there was a big old snake right there, you'd flee. Amen. 
Some of y'all thinking, yeah, if I saw a black widow, I would flee. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would. I wouldn't want to be near it. But there's things in life we should flee. There was a video going around a couple of years ago or something. I remember seeing about a guy who was hiking, just a regular hiking path, and a mountain lion. And y'all see that? Mountain lion came out and started just approaching him and like hissing and, and lunging at him. Anybody ever, see, anybody ever see that? It was like an eight-minute video of him recording and yelling at this thing and backing up. I mean, it was the size of a full-grown lion. I mean, this thing would have destroyed his whole body. And he's just, he's just walking and talking and yelling, trying to scare it and throwing stuff at it. It's like an eight-minute video. Finally, he throws something and spooks it enough that it runs away, finally at the very end, thankfully. Or otherwise, it would have been a very gruesome video. But he was doing his best to get away. Here's the problem. Once you get so close, it gets harder and harder to get away. That's why Paul said, Timothy, flee youthful lusts. What's a lust? It's a desire. Paul said, run away from the desire to do the wicked thing. Youthful, right? Those silly things, we think it's fine. Are y'all still listening to me? He didn't say flee youthful sins. He said flee youthful lusts. That means don't go near her door. Don't think about it. Don't let it set up in your heart. Don't let it set up in your mind. It's dangerous. Those paths are final. And if you go down that way, there comes a point of no return. So are you saying God won't take me back? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a threshold that once you've crossed it, the judgment of God has already been passed. God may spare your life like He did David's. But David had already crushed the threshold. And what did he do? He watched his children die. I don't want to see my children suffer because I won't get off the path. I don't want to see y'all suffer, young people. I don't want to see one man or one woman in this church fall down the incline to death because you just won't get away from those things in your life that you want. There are things we want that we do not need. There are things we want that we don't just not need. We, we don't need to be around them. They're bad for us. They'll hurt you. Not everything my son wants is good for him. Last night he came in here while we were over here. All the lights are off in the sanctuary. He goes over his back door. He gets in that red toolbox and he pulls out a hammer. You know what a two-year-old don't need? A hammer. It ain't good for him or anybody or anything around him. Sometimes you want something that don't mean you need it. Paul said to Timothy, who was, he called his own son in the faith, he said this, flee youthful lusts. Proverbs 5, 1, My son, attend unto my wisdom, bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as in honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable that thou canst not know them. He said, you're, you're looking and thinking, oh, I'm going to be good. And I, I know where I'm going. I see what I'm doing. And, and the writer said this, her ways are movable. They're twisting and turning. And you can't see which way she's going. You can't see what's coming next. But trust me, all her paths end the same way. With death, with destruction. He said, they take hold on hell. Hear me now, therefore. O ye children, depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house. 
the path of the strange woman for some ends with death. You're saved. Here's the truth. If you're saved, you go down that path, you can stay on that path all the way to the point that God will take you out of here. The point where there's no good left for you, and there's only evil, and He sees fit, He can take you out physically. And when He does, the path of the strange woman in your life has ended, and you'll be saved as by fire, the Bible says. For some, though, those who go down that path and who have never been saved. Maybe you had the God of your youth. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I go to church. I'm a good person. But you have never, like we were talking about Jacob, personally given your heart to God, received Him as your Savior, put your faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what that path will end for you? Said it, her house, her path, it takes hold on hell. For some, the path of the strange woman ends in not only physical death, but in the second death. An eternal torment. That eternal torment is no equivalent exchange for a little bit of carnal pleasure and the pleasing of your flesh here in this world. Young people, don't go down her path. Don't go down her path. It ends in destruction. It ends in death. You say, well, my... You know, my, my parents, they, they just don't understand me. No, no, listen to me. They do. They can see better than you. They've gone further ahead. Say, so, well, you know, the preacher, he's just, he just, he just, you know, hyper-religious. No, 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 no. No, that's not it. What it is is I'm, I'm reading ahead in the story. And your heart is, is, is despising knowledge and understanding. What you need this morning is you need to let this knowledge please your soul. As a young man, I guess I was a senior in high school. It's on live stream, but it'll be all right. I had a girlfriend, like a lot of teenage boys do. We had been boyfriend and girlfriend for over two years. Most of my high school time, me and this girl had been going steady. We'd been dating. And we went to uh, New Manus Teen Camp that year. We would go every year in the summer. And uh, when we started dating, she told me she was a Christian, told me the church she went to. I knew of the church. I didn't know the church very well. It was a Baptist church. And uh, a few months after we started dating, she got saved at our church. Well, first of all, that's not a great sign. Okay? She told me she was saved before, but I didn't do any checking. I said, she's pretty, she goes to church, she says she's saved, check, 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 let's, let's date. That was foolish. That relationship was a bad one. It was a dangerous one. She did not have the support uh, in her life that I did, and, and her life was very different from mine. And I can tell you right now, God did not want me as a six-year-old boy to date this girl. You probably didn't want me to date any girl at 16. Y'all can say amen, it's all right. I'm the one preaching. I'll take the flack for it. That path almost destroyed me. Can I be honest with you? 
If God hadn't been merciful to me, I'd have never married the woman he wanted me to marry. I, I wouldn't have the children I have. That girl's path has been one of destruction. Just about anything you could imagine. We were graduate. I was graduating high school. She was a year behind me. I hadn't planned on telling this. I hope I'm following the Lord. But at teen camp that year, she was talking about marriage. I mean, we've been dating for two years. She's going to graduate in a year. I'm about to go to college. You know, that's what you do. You get married, right? At teen camp that year, I couldn't tell you what the message was that was preached, anything like that. All I can tell you is this. God grabbed a hold of me and said, if you go down this path, it will destroy you. I'd surrender to be a preacher. You won't be a preacher. You're, you're going to mess everything up if you go down that path. I've invested over two years in this relationship. And God showed me this was not the right path. And can I tell you, that was not an easy thing to hear. In fact, as I went to the altar, I was not happy about what I was feeling and what I was hearing from the Lord. I was saying, God... It's going to destroy her. It's going to, I have all these thoughts and plans. God said, that's not it. I got up. I submitted to the Lord. The next day or the day after that, I prayed a little more, and I went to her, and I told her, and I said, it's just, it's just not the Lord's will for us to be married, stay together. Her path has gone straight to destruction. As an adult, I, I, I couldn't tell you last time I saw her, but I know this. The Lord was right. I was wrong. In that moment, I wasn't happy about it. I was not. But now, looking back, I say, God, thank you. Not because she's some horrible person or anything like that. It's just the, the devil and the world got a hold on her and she did not escape from it. I did. By the grace of God. Amen. Are y'all listening to me? What happens when the Lord says you need to stop that, but you don't want to? When the Lord says it, you better listen. That thing you're doing, that notion you're playing around with in your head, that place you're going, those people you're going there with, you better be careful. Because pretty soon that path will go from an easy to a sharp incline like a roller coaster. And when it does, it's going to be awfully hard to stop. Amen? Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.